This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org. Because our ultimate focus is to help you and me understand that your workplace, it's your mission field, and it's your primary place of ministry each and every day. Right, Martha? It sure is. And I think that that's a real shift for um, a lot of people, including ourselves at one point. We've we have um, embraced it completely now, but we just you know, it's exciting to be on the air every day, helping people to understand that their work matters in the kingdom. Speaking of people helping them understand that their work matters, we've been opening up the listener lines every day. Well, it's open up all the time, 24, 7, 365, because we've got operators sitting by all the time. Well, That's it's right. digital, a digital operator. It's me. All I do is sit there and wait for the, it to ring. Okay, so we've got the <laughs> listener line open up because we want to hear from you, our listeners, and people are struggling to catch on. We would love to hear from more of you uh, so we could get overwhelmed with questions or comments or suggestions on things that we talk about during this first segment of every show. We heard from listeners and we have been hearing from listeners that, boy, they'd love to hear us talk a little bit about specifics about the things that we deal with on the show, but kind of pound it out a little bit, stretch it out a little bit. And so we would love to hear from you because I'm sure you've got questions or comments or concerns about how you can live out your faith in your work. And so we've got a listener line so we can hear from you. And if you leave us a message, we will deal with that in in an upcoming show very, very shortly. So how they can do that is by calling our listener line at 866-713-9675, 866-713-WORK. W-O-R-K, just in case you didn't know how to spell work, but we tried to make it simple. You can plug that into your phone. So I just want to encourage you, if you if you happen to be sitting still, have your phone in front of you, plug it in. And you can't even call right now. We don't mind because it's not interrupting us. We just want to hear from you um, and let us know what's on your heart. You know, have some fun. Call in the middle of the night even. That would be fun uh, because we're not answering in the middle of the night, but you could always ask. Uh, and that would be just fine. So uh, you could always call and ask a question That's in the middle right. of the night because somebody's listening all the time there. Wow. Okay, enough. Martha, you've got an emailed question from somebody. I do. So this is from Tanya in St. Augustine, Florida, which we should really go visit there. We should. It's been a while since we've been Maybe Tanya to can help hook us up with some interviews there. there. And uh, St. Augustine is a beautiful historical historical part of our country. I am a claims adjuster from an insurance for an insurance provider, and I often am dealing with very unhappy people. Sadly enough, this time of year there can be hurricanes, and that could even make it worse. Not this year because of the Saharan dust, but Ooh, okay, that's, that's another a good conversation. Thing. So, how should I show my faith while doing my job, which sometimes includes denying a claim? So she's in a position where she's not always getting the opportunity to make the people happy. You know, and and fix their problem because it may not be a, a covered peril. Well, sometimes. Well, right? okay. So she's in the insurance world, which we love the insurance world. It's somewhere that we had spent a lot of time That's with. Right. So, and what's funny is that uh, what was her name again? Tanya. 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 You know what's funny, Tanya, is that not everybody, even if you solve their problem, are they going to be happy? But so, how does she show <clears throat> her faith in the midst of that? You know, there's a great book about this. There is Ron Janssen. From in Michigan, Ron Janssen wrote this book, Customer Service and the Imitation of Christ. 
Yeah. It was a phenomenal book written to customer service people on how to live out their faith in the work. Ron works in a call center. He does. And I uh, been, been on the show two or three times talking about that. But love that book, Customer Service and the Imitation of Christ. It will give you a lot of great ideas. That's just the first, my first comment. And it is actually Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson. I know. <laughs> For people that are not from the Midwest, they might be like, what? How do you spell that name? Ron Johnson. So, Ron Johnson, which is, um, if you Google that, you'll get about 12 billion hits because it's a common name. You want to Google Ron Johnson, Customer Service and the Imitation of Christ. And then you will find it. So that's a great suggestion because he really helps people to see. He takes a job that so many people think it would be awful, which is a call center, (laughs) but he has embraced it and understands that um, God has him there on purpose. And um, it's a hard job, and um, we don't give enough credit to the people that oh, sit on the phone. That's a tough job with people that are not happy, typically. So, um, again, this question from Tanya about how does she show her faith while she's doing her job, which dealing with unhappy people and not always getting the opportunity to make them happy. I think for me, you know, I think of Love Twenty Twenty. I think of the whole concept of. Just loving them anyway and loving them in the midst of it because most, I mean, the storm, the car accident, whatever it is, it's not the claims adjuster's fault, but they will, she will, I'm sure she feels the brunt of their frustration, but just loving them through the process. Well, because insurance companies, I mean, they're, they're big, a lot of them are stodgy and they take time. And they don't want to pay any more than they have to pay. Mm-hmm. They don't, I think some insurance companies don't actually want to pay at all, but most of them understand that's why they're selling policies. <clears throat> it's a matter she, of, of weeding out the, the fraud because there's a lot of fraud out there, insurance stuff. Mm. I, it tra- uh, Tanya, I think the first thing is to just understand it being a good listener and, and just taking good notes, being a good listener, asking good questions expressing concern and understanding, being a little empathetic. I learned about that in sixth grade, being empathetic, different than being sympathetic. Why did you learn that in sixth grade? I don't know, but Mrs. Cosgrove Cosgrove taught us in sixth grade about, I think it was just... Empathy versus sympathy. Empathy versus sympathy because, you know, we needed to be empathetic towards the needs of other people in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And I think towards the teacher, because Mrs. Cosgrove got a lot of crap from us sixth graders. So I I wasn't me because I was an angel in the classroom. You know, you said something really good. Um, You said a lot of really good things, honey. But one of the things that you just said that really resonated with me was being a good listener, taking good notes, because don't you think that a big part of customer service and everything is showing excellence, but the person having felt like they've been heard and if That's you're huge. doing your part in the process, you know, even if you can't quote unquote fix it, if it's not a covered peril or whatever, um, but if you if they believe that they've been heard, that everything was checked out and then the, this is the end result, but you did it in a way where they didn't, say, oh, they never call me back. They didn't listen. I already told them that three times. You know, we've heard all those kinds of things over well, the years. What you just said so important, though. They, to be Calling heard. people back. Mm-hmm. I mean, and being attentive mm-hmm. when you do call them back. So really, it's the whole be- doing your job with excellence. Yeah, and, and letting people know that they are, that they're important. Yep. 
I mean, I just, because I know that one of the, I mean, you may still get an answer that's n- not what you're looking for, but if people call you back in timely, yeah. I mean, that's something that in customer service has really gone downhill in the last couple, 20, couple of decades where, yeah. you know, if somebody's got something negative to say, they just don't call you back. Like, why didn't you call me back? Well, I was going to have to tell you something negative you didn't want to hear. I'm like, well, I need to know. Well, you just know, tell a, me. a lot of companies have... Um, are trying to run on smaller staff oh, yeah. and things like that too. So, so they have more caseloads and you know, there's, there's all kinds of things that you can use as an excuse. But the bottom line is, is people in a bad situation, like a loss, they need to know that they're being taken care of. So let's flip this on its head. Okay. Okay. So Ooh, we got people like Tanya. We, well, it might, well, it depends whether you're on grass or on concrete. Okay. But you know, people like Tanya out there, we're, we're dealing with people like her all the time and maybe, People like Tanya, she happens to be a Christ follower. Maybe the person we get on the line at customer service isn't a Jesus follower. But we are. But we like, are. Okay. And we're calling in there. I mean, how about mm. us being nice and us not acting like this? Pr- I mean, so often we get, we're, we call, we're already frustrated. I mean, how about, how can we flip this on its head and us be gracious and loving and kind to the customer service person? So I have a damaged roof from a storm and I call in and I don't yell at the customer service person yeah, because it's not their fault, right? Right. It's not their fault. I want them to help me. Right. And you can usually kill people with kindness. I mean, oh, it, so I, I, great, I just we're setting an example. Yeah. That's a really great twist. And, and when you, you're going to spend, if you have a claim, you're going to spend some time on the phone with this person. So mm-hmm. why not just bless them? And be different than your other ones. It'll give them a lot more reason to call you back. And develop a good relationship. Yeah, why not? Those people need they need to be encouraged. All right, we're your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg, and we want to remind you that your workplace is your mission field. And in that mission field, you and me, we may be the only Jesus our coworkers, our employees, our bosses may ever meet. The job that you hold, the work that you do, the people that you work with, none of that is by chance. The people that you work with, they need to meet Jesus, and you may be their only chance. We have got a really exciting guest for you today. Martha, why don't you take it from here? So we have Tracy Matthews on the um, line with us, and she is from thecalltowork.com. Thecalltowork.com. Is it .org? .org. I am so sorry. Okay, you, 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 you fixed so it on dot, my page. But oh, you, .org. Here it so, is. <laughs> I am so excited because we have run into Tracy a couple different times and finally having the opportunity to have her on the air. And all I kept thinking about as we were praying before the show is that this must be the right time. This is the time for our listeners to hear that there's something um, like this out there. And we'll let Tracy explain it when the time is right. But um, I'm just excited to have her. So Tracy, welcome. Yeah, Tracy, welcome. Tracy Matthews, welcome from thecalltowork.org. We're so excited to have you on air today. Thank you so much for having me. I, I'm so excited, thankful for the work you guys are doing, and just grateful for the opportunity to share what God is doing. So Tracy, give us your Jesus story. Uh, Yes, I would love to. So I'm going to begin in junior high, which is when my family started going to church on any kind of regular basis. And uh, we went to this little church, a Bible-believing church. I learned a lot about uh, the Bible and about Jesus, but I did not yet fully believe. You know, I would pray, and it would be like, okay, God, if you're real, then... And so forth. And so it was. It was a. It, it wasn't there yet. Um, and I went off to college, and I stopped going to church. Uh, but I was 
seeking after a bit. And I actually had a, a an important conversation with somebody at the local campus ministry, which kind of got the wheels turning. I met uh, Jeff, who is now my husband, um, who's been a strong believer since a child. And in him, I found somebody I could, I just felt really safe with in terms of exploring some of the doubts and questions I had. Um, and then, you know, I was, a, I was a science and engineering major. So maybe about the age of 20 or so, I, there was a point in time where I was just staring at a cut in my, my finger that was healing. And I was thinking, you know, science says that things left on their own, you know, tend towards disorder and chaos. And yet here is something so complex and sophisticated that it can heal itself. And so there, there was a logic orientation that brought me to the conclusion that there must be a creator. Mm. Yeah, so there was this, there must be a creator. Um, there is also a sense, you know, I had I had never experienced something like I had experienced when I met who's now my husband, and there was this sense of um, I don't think we met by chance. Mm. You know, I think there is some orchestration here, and so with those two things, then you know, fast forward just a little bit, and I, I'm talking to my mom in, in the kitchen, and we're talking about some of these things, and just out of seemingly nowhere. Uh, it just came out of my mouth. You know, there's a creator, and it's the God of the Bible. And it was so, I mean, there was zero logic to that part. It was just <laughs> something that all of a sudden I just knew to be true. Uh, and I, I couldn't explain it at the time. Now I would say, hey, it's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and he was, mm-hmm. you know, speaking truth into the depths of my being. Um, but that was the moment. And uh, and I actually, you know, I, I've never actually doubted the truth of that since then. That's so amazing because I I love, love, you know, um, I know that we've heard before that the whole concept of somebody studying science, you know, can either bring you that you you get so distracted by it that you never question a creator. But in your case, you looked at it and and God spoke in you about himself and uh, led you that way. So that, oh, thanks for sharing that. So at what point in time in your life did you make that connection then between your faith and your work where you realized that your work, no matter what it was, was in whatever your role was, was just supporting this in the kingdom as that of a role of a pastor or a foreign missionary? Hmm. Um, well, that didn't come until fairly recently, actually. Um, so, so just like... Five years ago-ish, um, so before the call to work and before I was aware of anything called faith and work integration, um, my, my last role was doing um, strategy and business development for a biotech startup. Passionate about Jesus, passionate about my work, um, but a pretty strong, you know, sacred secular divide, Sunday-Monday gap, however you want to talk about it. You know, I knew God wanted me to be a good person at work, but the idea that God actually cared about the work itself was a foreign concept. Um, but then one day, uh, I'm having coffee with a friend, and he's telling me about something called impact investing. And it's uh, it's a growing financial field where investors are looking for more than just a financial return. They want some kind of social and environmental good. Um, and it just made so much sense to me. It was totally new to me at the time, but it made so much sense, and it just it got the wheels turning in a whole new way. And not long after, maybe some month or two after, um, I, I'm it's, you know, church service is over. I'm heading up the back stairwells to get the kids, and I just have this this moment, this thought. I call it an epiphany now because it was important. But I had this 
new thought that like maybe business was for more than just making money. <laughs> and it seems so funny to say now, but at the time it was totally new. And the thought that came right after it was like, wow, I've never asked God something as fundamental as the purpose of business. And then it was like, and I've never asked God about how I should think about, you know, basically anything I did on a daily basis, the vast majority of it. And uh, that that was a very important moment because it led to some great conversations. Uh, I was led to some good books, and one of which was a book called Why Business Matters to God by Jeff Van Duzer. And for the first time, I was seeing God's will for business, for the private sector, you know, to make needed goods and services, to help society flourish, to create... Um, gainful, creative employment for for people uh, and more, and it was it was so eye opening. And shortly thereafter, it just kind of opened my eyes that God has an intent for for all of creation. And uh, at that point, it just makes so much sense that all of the work we do, you know, business and and non, in every sector and every field, um, is a part of God's high calling uh, and holy and sacred if we would recognize it as such. <laughs> so tell us how that led to the call to work.org, the call to work.org. Yes. Yeah, so actually not that long after I was having this awakening, uh, I began to sense it was, it was finally time for a career change. And, and God had given me um, some indications or the sense that there was a career change coming for, for actually years, um, but it, it had never been time. And now, and now it was time. And so at the time, there was a big theme embedded in this of surrender to God and a theme of, I guess, a, a sense that, you know, I was to let God do this career change kind of to me, uh, a more passive stance than I'm used to. Uh, and so I just, you know, in obedience, I started looking and at the time, I, I have a continued interest in poverty alleviation, economic empowerment, you know, private sector. I've just had all these awakenings in. Um, I love startups. So I started looking down the path of, you know, maybe I can find some kind of social enterprise uh, startup that I can join my efforts in with. And so I was, I was starting to make steps like that, knowing that God was going to lead me in this. Um, and in talking with people, somebody suggested I talk with a guy named Tommy Lee. Uh, he's in the Chicagoland area, and he and his brother Jimmy have done a lot of work with social enterprise entrepreneurs. And so I met with him. Uh, we had coffee. I told him a bit of my story. He's a great listener. And the ask was if he would introduce me to social enterprise entrepreneurs that, um, that I might be able to work with. And he said, you know, Tracy, I could do that, and I'd be happy to. Um, or, or you could uh, take on a project that Jimmy has had an idea about for years. And the idea was simply to create a curriculum uh, to run in churches that would help awaken many, many more people to the importance of faith and work integration, just like I had had that epiphany moment, that we would uh, intentionally shepherd that moment for many others. And, you know, God was um, pretty clear. Um, it was out of left field, but I knew it would be. Uh, and this is what I had a pretty strong sense he wanted me to at least explore. Uh, so I agreed to come on board at least for a bit and just explore. And mm -hmm. so I spoke with as many people as would speak to me. 
um, experts in faith and work integration, if you will, or industry veterans. And um, pretty soon I knew there was a role for me to play. So, Tracy, we have um, kind of, you did a great job of telling us about um, your faith journey and where God has taken you to up to where you are now. And I can't wait for our listeners to hear more about the call to work. But as a woman, I think that's where this probably comes from. I'm curious, you know, in this process of you becoming a believer and then the Lord just really showing you that the biz, that business is for more than just making money. How did um, your conversations with your husband around that, that topic um, evolve? Yes. Um, you know, there was, there was, I wouldn't call it tension, but just um, a lot of good conversation because I was, um, I was looking to make the change from a, a pretty lucrative career uh, that had every sign of outward success to one where it was so nebulous. I didn't know where it was going, but it would be somewhere that was clearly less um, financially rewarding, most likely, and... Uh, different kind of, um, it looks different, if you will. Right. Um, but, right. you know, he, he, he is uh, strong in his faith and a strong, you know, he's my biggest fan, and mm-hmm. he, he trusted my discernment. Uh, so I would say a lot of good but hard conversations that helped to clarify uh, what exactly God was calling me and us towards. Um, that was really good. Now, I will say, um, that as I've been on this call to work journey, it has been my own faith and work integration journey where I'm practicing my faith and the truth that I know uh, in my hour by hour. And uh, just like, you know, there's a movement from knowledge to actually learning, right? Like I can, I, I can know patience is right and good, but that doesn't make me patient. <laughs> it's only yeah. through practice and repetition that we actually become more patient people. In the same way, you know, practicing attuning to God's presence and guidance, practicing for me personally, I have um, a core kind of sin theme in my life where I believe I need to earn my sense of, of, of well-being and worth through achievement. Um, and, and I've been practicing the truth that Jesus alone has made me enough. And I don't have anything to prove to anybody. And that has resulted in the kind of freedom that I didn't know was possible. And I would say from that point of view, my husband couldn't speak more highly of this because, uh-huh. you know, I sleep better at night, but I'm a lot more patient. I'm a lot more um, creative and fun. And my husband's a very fun and humorous guy. So I think he appreciates the life change he's seen in me personally. Mm. That's awesome. So as we were unfolding this story of what how God's been writing in your life, you were presented with this idea to write a curriculum to help awaken other people to this integration of faith and work. So what what does that look like now? What did what did you do with that um, yeah. proposal, if I if you will? Yes, yes. I mean, I really did spend the first really six months just learning, and all these people, these leaders in the movement, were willing to talk with me, which I, I continue to be so grateful for. And what what I and we came to see uh, was that we we don't really need another curriculum as we traditionally think of them. There's a lot of excellent resources out there, helping people from a knowledge basis understand a deeper and wider theology of work. But what has been missing and continues to be missing is uh, is some tools to help move people from information and knowledge to practical application and life change. You know, transformation is what we're after. And so that's really the niche that the call to work uh, is looking to fill. You know, we teach tools 
that helps people take specific hour-by-hour situations of work and life and attune to God's presence and guidance, uh, discern how God is at work in the situation we face, and ultimately help us discern, you know, specific action steps that we can take to join our efforts in with what God is doing. So we teach something called the Call to Work course, uh, which is a 10-session workshop-based experience, again, teaching, you know, just really three foundational tools that help us take specific situations and seek okay. out a more Christ-like response. All right, so how, so you're helping churches with this. Now, how, what's the response when you call a church and say, hey, listen, I got something that will bring about transformation in, the, in, in your church amongst the people that sit in a pews that go out to work every day? Uh, what's the response? What's the approach like? Because I want our listeners to be able to understand that approach so they can make sure they're, that the church leadership that they uh, serve under knows about it. Yes. So, you know, what we, what we do first, usually we're working with somebody who already is an advocate for faith and work integration. You know, for whatever reason, they've awoken to this. They want to see um, more of this in their life. Maybe they're disillusioned with their work or disappointed or just know that God has more for them in their work. And we encourage an advocate to, to find a champion, a trusted leader within their church. You know, this might be the church, might be a lead pastor, it might be a, another staff person, it might be an elder, but somebody who knows the inner workings of the church and has the influence and or authority to shepherd a, a program like this. And we look for, or we encourage the advocate to, to look for ways in which God is already moving um, in, in that church. And maybe it's an awareness of faith and work integration, or maybe it's just that desire for practical life change or spiritual formation. I mean, who knows exactly how it's coming in, but looking for how the call to work fits in with what the champion already knows, um, already awake to in terms of the way God is moving in their church. And we encourage the, the advocates to talk about um, their willingness to drive this forward. You know, a, a key pillar um, it, in the call to work is a life application, um, but the other key pillar is is that it's a lay-led program. And oh. so we, mm-hmm. yes. So, okay, so you, so it's not the it's not the paid staff of the church teaching it; it's, right. it's volunteers. Volunteers. Yes, and and that's for a number of reasons. One is because a lot of times the paid staff workers have, don't have as much experience outside of the church. Right? They they work right. hard, but they work in the church. They don't have that Sunday Monday gap. They don't oftentimes feel equipped to lead others in terms of the, the challenges they face Monday through Saturday. And, and also it's just a bandwidth issue, right? We, we know our church staff is working so hard. They have so many competing priorities. Uh, so for a number of reasons, we, we had at a core pillar that uh, the call to work would be a program that could be lay-led, you know, with the blessing and awareness of the church leadership, with a strong communication channel, um, but something that from an operational standpoint would be lay-driven. So that's something else we ask them to emphasize, uh, and because oftentimes the resistance is actually a bandwidth issue, which which makes total sense. Sure, sure. It does. <laughs> so talk to us about the the, the breakout. See, ten court, ten sessions. Are these small group Sunday morning kind of sessions, Sunday night kind of volunteer sessions, Wednesday night? I mean, how are you? How are these typically led within the church? Yep. And so here we 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 put the onus on the local leaders, you know, the advocate and the champion who want to bring this in, because they know best what will, what will fit well within the context of their church and what their church needs. So we encourage them to make those decisions. Now, most typically, we, we do encourage people to, to look at a, a, a class size, a cohort size, a small group size, whatever you want to call it, of, you know, somewhere between 4 and 20 people. So, and, and quite often, uh, they are in a small group format. Um, 
Other times they're done more as a uh, standalone class, kind of like Financial Peace University. Um, there have been some discussions around doing it in a, a kind of a Sunday school format, and I've offered to just modify. So, you, you know, each of these sessions is two hours, and oftentimes in a Sunday school format, um, you don't have that much time. So we've, mm-hmm. we've talked about what different options are uh, for that. But we try and be real flexible so that these local leaders can really um, contextualize this. To fit right. well within the life of the church. So before we run out of time, I really want to talk about it. So give, it, give, us, give us an idea in, in the foundations module. What are you teaching? Just give a couple ideas. Yep. So we're teaching the three tools, which serve as a foundation for the whole course. People are learning. Each tool is a set of questions. So in 20 to 30 minutes, people, you know, each time they bring a specific situation they want more of God's help with, and they work through the use of the tool to help them, again, discern how God is at work and discern how they might join in their efforts with what God is doing. You know, not my will, but yours. So in the foundations model, they're really learning the tools, getting some firsthand experience of what it looks like to actually practice them in their own life experiences. And we hope out of the foundations module, people walk away with um, some new ways of thinking, but also just one or two powerful experiences of God and how helpful and relevant His help is when we'll bring our daily life to Him and ask Him, you know, to show us His will. So that's the foundation. Go ahead. Give us an example then of what somebody, if they want to, if they're going to then practice that, um, what kind of situation would they bring and how would they work through that? Sure. And we tell any, any situation you want more of God's help with. So sometimes it's, um, you know, my boss is micromanaging me. We've had, um, I want to buy out my co- my company from the owner. We've had, I want to reach out to an estranged relative. or I, I, Maybe usually it's not reaching out, but I, I'm having a very stressful situation with an estranged relative. Um, my, my two-year-old won't put his shoes on. You know, what do I make for dinner? If, if anything, we want more of God's help with. Um, and we actually publish a monthly story of formation, sometimes two. And you can see it on our website under the Stories tab. There's specific situations that participants have brought before God using a tool, um, looking to, you know, respond to it in a better, more Christ-like way. And that website is thecalltowork.org. So people can go out and check it out for themselves and see if this is something that they want to themselves become an advocate for in their local church. Um, So check that out, thecalltowork.org. All right, Tracy, before we run out of time, Talk to us about how many churches right now are you working with? Yes. Um, so we've got about half a dozen churches that we're actively working with. Are they uh, all so in the Chicago area or are they all over the country? Uh, no, we've got, we've got um, most in Chicago. We've got a few on the East Coast. Uh, it's still pretty early days. We just started rolling sure. out in 2017. Okay, um, but right. it's so, starting to expand. It's starting to expand, which is exciting. It's very exciting. So give us, give, oh, and, and that was, that was not meant to down. I mean, I love the numbers. So talk to us about impact. When you look at, mm-hmm. just keep one church in mind uh, that you have gone into, that they've taught this and that's taught this and taught this. What kind of transfer, what kind of things are happening in the church? Yes. So, you know, I'll give two examples. At one church, and this is more on the kind of whole habit and character formation of, of one of the lay leaders. Um, at one of our churches, the, the program is led by a guy who um, has just really awoken in terms of a sense of agency, you know, the God-given ability and responsibility to be a part of God's redemptive work in the world. And he has actually awoken to this call, has a sense that God is asking him to uh, spread it within his, his whole church. So he not only leads the call to work, but he's, you know, for example, um, his, his pastor actually asked him to preach on this wow. subject uh, just a month That's or two awesome. ago. Very cool. 
Very yeah. Cool. Uh, so, so this is this, it, it's so exciting to see. And another one of our churches. Um, really quick. You know, yeah. Oh, really? Okay, I mean, okay, we're really, we're really, really, I just got to say, Stay tuned. thank you. Stay, <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Tracy no Matthews. Problem, I mean, I really appreciate no it. You're listening to the Hard Work Room. We're just so excited to have Tracy Matthews on here. We, we've met Tracy a couple of times, but the last time we were together, we were in Chicago at the Faith and Work Summit. And uh, good news about the Faith and Work Summit, the next one's going to be in 2021 in Orlando, Florida. So excited. They haven't even rolled that out yet, but I'm just breaking it to the I Work Room <laughs> audience right now. Um, Tracy, you've got this ministry called thecalltowork.org, and your primary goal is to equip people within the four walls of the church to understand this with the practical, tactical, factual, and biblical. What does it look like to live out your faith in your work? And you're doing it within the four walls of the church. That's super exciting. Absolutely. So I, I want our listeners to hear from you how they can engage the call to work and bringing them into their own four walls church, wherever they are, all over the world, all over the country. So how do people engage with you? Yes, that's a great question. Uh, so we do ask them, to, you know, actually to reach out, info at thecalltowork.org, and let's start talking. You know, these develop into long-term relationships uh, because God works in, in many deep, or at least seems to, with the churches that we're working with. Um, and what, we encourage them to find, again, a champion, the church, what we're about, and we, we ask them to get work. We're just trying stuff out, seeing and, and looking to discern. If the, uh, so we can start with the Call to Work course the first time through I or somebody from the call to work would be the one to actually lead an initial cohort or small group through it. And then what we're doing is we are looking for those that are experiencing more profound spiritual growth. And we do have the majority, the vast majority of participants who will, who will report real tangible spiritual growth where they're closer to God, they're actually responding habitually in more Christ-like ways, they're experiencing more fruit of the Spirit, uh, they are able to maintain a more godly perspective in stressful situations. You know. So for those that are experiencing more profound spiritual growth, we then ask them to consider getting trained so that they can then go ahead and lead their own cohorts or small groups through the call to work. And we really do that for the continued growth of the leaders themselves so that they can see themselves not only as shepherds of their own spiritual journeys, but shepherds for the spiritual growth of, of others um, in their church and community. So that's you know, how it works. Go ahead. That, no, that just sounds so great because of the fact that you're really looking for spiritual growth. This isn't just let's help solve problems and move on. This is growing as a person so that this, so any of these concepts or the things that they then are, the Lord is really showing them causes them to be somebody different than they were when they started. So um, again, we're talking with Tracy Matthews and she is with the call to work.org. And if this is it, at all intriguing you, our listeners, please connect with Tracy. Go to the website, thecalltowork.org, and start the conversation because, um, you know, the we, we don't believe that anything is an accident, that God is churning in the hearts of people. And this is something that's already been created for the purpose of helping to equip the church and grow the church spiritually, Jim. So I think churches that are, about, like you said, Tracy, looking for what the church is doing and where this could plug in, if they're huge in discipleship, this is discipleship. If they're huge Absolutely. in, you know, growing spiritually, this is what that is. And so it's not, um, I, I, I just love that aspect of it because there's depth and there's growth. 
Well, here's the secret. We'll, we'll go out. And, and, and Tracy, I want to ask you to verify this or not, because this is going to be a little testy. But okay. churches, if you really want to increase the giving to your church, disciple your people and, and help them to understand the value of their work, to understand that their workplace really is a mission field. And it will increase your giving to your church because people will start to connect God to every part of their lives. And they'll be so grateful mm. because so many people feel that disconnect. They leave Sunday and going, okay, tomorrow I got to go to work. And what am I going to do at work? I don't like my job. I wish I could quit my job and go into ministry. Tracy, you ever have people <laughs> to tell you that? That, that people... Give they want to quit. They want to quit their jobs so they can go yeah. into ministry. You ever heard that? Oh, um, you know what? You know, we we do hear that here and there, but there's such a strong emphasis in terms of helping people see the role God has for them to cultivate what is good and heal what is broken in their current work that we don't have a lot of that talk. Now, I've certainly heard a lot of that, but I do think one of the strengths of of the faith and work movement and the cult work is again awakening people to the great purpose that God has for them in, in every hour-by-hour hour situation they face. Awakening people to the great purpose God has for them in every hour. I, that was, that's good. I like that. Awakening. Okay. So you were sharing in the last segment and I had to cut you off and I'm sorry about some exciting stories from some churches. Let me ask this. I mean, at your own church, have they adopted the call to work? I mean, do you get to teach this stuff in your own church? So get this. So we actually, both my husband and I discerned it was time to change churches um, late last year. Um, and so we did so. And for the first part, we were really just looking to um, just be a part of the church and see how God was moving. I have an interest in poverty alleviation, so I got involved with the community impact or the community outreach. Um, and and as, as I and the leader for this group have been getting to know each other more, there's we've just both discerned that the call to work is meant to be a part of it. So actually this fall, we're going to be trying the call to work for the first time combined with some financial literacy equipping, targeting a low-income audience. Uh, So I'm super excited. We've interviewed some great people that are teaching financial literacy just as just a way to transform cities. You know, I think think that what's really key about that is that you, again, you're looking for where the need is and saying, you know, how can we make an impact? And um, what does, what did the, what do the people within the church need to go out into the community and, um, and be better equipped? So thank you for doing that and just following the Lord's leading in that. And I hope that that's the kind of stuff that our listeners are hearing, Jim, is that, um, you know, God has a purpose for everything that we have been equipped to do. He created each of us individually to be unique. Some are more unique than others, as we might joke about. But the fact that we, um, God gives us these gifts so that we can do something with them for the community and then ultimately for the kingdom. Tracy, I want to use our last three minutes for you to t- just explain to people. You said that in the first, in the foundations module, you teach three tools, three mm-hmm. tools. Mm-hmm. What are those three tools? Well, each tool is a series of questions that each of them, in slightly different ways, help us take a situation, you know, attune to God's presence, attune to His pres- to His guidance, you know, discern how He is at work, and ultimately help our join our efforts in with Him. Um, so I, I, I probably don't have time to go through all of them. But for example, one is we call it the big story, 
we call it a lens. And it's based on the fourfold gospel, this idea that you can boil the creation story back to creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. And what the question does is it asks us prompts that says, hey, you know, what is good in the situation you're facing? These are things that God may want to cultivate, what's broken, things that these are things that God may want to heal. You know, we fast forward to the consummation when this situation is restored to flourishing, what would it look like? Now that we have a sense of all that, okay, we live in part three, redemption. How do we see God at work? Cultivating what is good, healing what is broken, bringing us forward to that that consummation view, and how can I join my efforts in with it? So it's a real quick example of one of the tools. Imagine for me, Tracy Matthews, from the call to work.org, if every church in America had was teaching the call to work curriculum, what would our country be? I mean, what would Jesus followers be like? It would be the church, right? Can you see every person out there in every hour just saying, not my will, but yours, God. How do I cultivate what is good and heal what is broken in this relationship, in this situation? How do I make my patch of creation operate more according to your will? You know, can, can you imagine what that would be like? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing, for sure. Heaven on earth. Yeah. Or, or like the early church was in the Roman Empire, just in how, mm-hmm. how their, their, their faith was so compelling, it transformed the Roman society. It, it was amazing. It is so attractive. You know, Christ and Christ-likeness is so attractive. And you speak to you know, being Jesus to people, our colleagues who may never know Jesus. When they see it, you can't help but be drawn towards who God is in us. Mm. All right. So the call to work.org, when they go out to the website, they're going to find lots of information, including how it works and the people yeah. that are on your board. You've got some powerful people that are that are that are feeding into. I mean, really, a lot of people we've had on the show, but you've got some incredible people that are just feeding truth into this that are behind this whole effort. It's it's amazing. The call to work.org. Tracy Matthews, thanks for being on here today, making sure that our audience knew about the call to work. I, I, next time we do a show, I want to like, we, I want you to go on location. Let's go into one of those churches that's being transformed by this whole idea that uh, our faith and our work should be intricately connected. Can we do that next time? That would be great. I would love that. Thank awesome. you. Thank you, Tracy Matthews, for being on I Work for Him today. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for the work that you do. Check out The Call to Work online, thecalltowork.org. Martha, this is transformational. We need to get, we need to make sure that pastors, we need to make sure that Made to Flourish lets all their pastors know about this. Well, I think there's so many avenues and for our listeners to understand that they can move this forward in their own local uh, church. That's right. Get a champion. Get thecalltowork.org in your church. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers, our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I work for him. him.